These are the words of Lynn Twist from her book, The Soul of Money. There is immense healing power of even the smallest amount of money when we use it to express our humanity, our highest ideals, and our most soulful commitments and values. We can write our relationship with money, realign it to transform the world around us, and create conditions for unparalleled sustainable prosperity and well-being. We all have life sentences embedded in our beliefs and our worldview. It is possible to rewrite them and consciously re-script our responses to include the inspiration we need to ground ourselves around money. Money is like water. It can be a conduit for commitment, a currency of love. Money moving in the direction of our highest commitments nourishes our world and ourselves. What you appreciate, appreciates. When you make a difference with what you have, it expands. Collaboration creates prosperity. True abundance flows from enough, never from more. Money carries our intention. If we use it with integrity, then it carries integrity forward. Know the flow. Take responsibility for the way your money moves in the world. Let your soul inform your money and your money express your soul. Access your assets, not only money, but also your own character and capabilities, your relationship and other non-money resources. We each have the power to shift, to change, and create the conversation that shapes our circumstances. The levers and dials of conversation are ours to use. When we listen, speak, and respond from the context of sufficiency, we access a new freedom and power in our relationship with money and life. Some days I feel a bit inundated with advertisements coming in the mail and over the internet. Do you notice the same thing? I look something up on the computer and on the right-hand side of the screen is uh, I get distracted by all the ads that seem to be popping up. <clears throat> or I'll get these catalogs in the mail and my magazines are filled with pictures of things to make my house look better, trips that I should take, cars that I should start to drive, and bodies that I will never have. <clears throat> all these advertisements carry the constant message of our lack of what we don't have and what we cannot be. And this message, after a while, begins to subtly persuade us that we don't have enough, that we aren't enough, and we start to absorb this belief of scarcity. We live in a society that sells us our unworthiness almost every day. So how can we be generous? How can we feel generous when we don't have enough? So we're living in this land of not enough. 
And this sermon will not actually be the ticket for our journey out of this land. But maybe, maybe it can help us to start up to plan our trip together, the trip to the land of enough. Now, we know that our culture is fascinated by money and wealth. It's easy to argue that, that money is actually the true religion of this country. And we still don't talk that much about it, even here in church. Here we grapple with some of life's most profound matters. We talk about justice, we talk about death, we talk about the nature of God, the worth of our soul, the purpose of life. Yet the subject of money rarely comes up. And when it does, there's all sorts of defenses that rise up around the topic in order to avoid the discussion fully. In many churches, it's actually easier to talk about sex than finances, unless we couch the conversation in such terms as global economics and poverty. We don't ever ask someone how much money they earn or how much they have in the bank. That is a deep taboo. So where do we actually talk about some of our deepest worries and fears about the making and the spending of our money? Because we have questions, right? I know I do. And I could use some guidance and I could use some conversations with people who are not my financial advisor. I have questions, for instance, in a culture that shapes us to be consumers before anything else. How can I make financial choices that are in alignment with my values? How do we teach our children to lead meaningful, value-led lives when they are bombarded with messages about accumulation and about appearances? What is my responsibility to the poor? What if I become poor? These are all profoundly religious questions. They involve our ethics, they involve our security, our sense of worth and humanity. And church is the best place to have these discussions, gathered with others who share our principles and our values. Our congregation provides a place to examine the material culture around us, to speak out about our questions and about our struggles, a place where we can be vulnerable and offer comfort, encourage each other as we go on this journey and explore these questions together. This conversation and examination is the first step of religious stewardship. The next step of religious stewardship is one that all the great religions through time have taught. It is considered a spiritual practice. Studies show that it counters depression, malaise, and cynicism, and it instead creates feelings of energy, engagement, and optimism. This practice offers a freer heart and greater joy. It is the practice of tithing, the practice of giving a percentage of your material goods back to your religious community. So I've been tithing for over 40 years now, and I can't tell you how satisfied it makes me feel. I have a list of the issues that concern me the most, and then along with that, I have the organizations that address these issues, and I have the institutions, like this church, that keep me awake and keep me focused on my values. 
I really look forward to my monthly practice of sitting down and writing checks to all the institutions and organizations that are doing good in the world. I feel subversive when I do this. I'm defying that message that I'm insignificant, that I'm not enough, and that I don't earn enough money to make a difference. Tithing also tells me that how much I earn does not define who I am. Tithing reminds me about dependence, about my dependence on others and their dependence on me. And ultimately, it serves to remind me that my security does not rest on material things. My security rests on my community. Religions have always taught us to tithe. It started with bringing in lambs and cows, and then it went to harvests and talents. Even the poorest have carried something to the altar as a way to participate in community interdependence. The offering is part of our religious rites. Each week, we remind each other to offer financial support to this community, and we post our PayPal account number in the chat box and on the screen. These days, instead of bringing our livestock and crops over to the church building, we collect money, but it is still the work of our hands. It comes from those long hours we have dedicated at our workplace. We've turned it into currency, but it can still be used to shape the world. And this is the key right here. We can shape the world. We can promote our religious values. We each ask ourselves about what power we have to make the world that place we long for, that place of warm, loving community. We know that in this demanding, stressful work culture, we don't have time, okay? We can't give time to devote to our dreams but we have the financial resources that can make them possible. Our church upholds our liberal religious values, the force of love in the universe, the unnameable but ever-present spirit of life, the God of trees and rivers and dogs, the God of the poor and the dispossessed, the God of refugees and hungry children, the God of Thoreau and Emerson, Channing and Harper, Adams and Morrison Reed, and all the nameless martyrs of our faith. Our God deserves glory and honor, and our children need protection. Our values are under attack in this world, and we must diligently protect and defend them from threat. We must invest in assuring our voices of fairness and mercy are heard and heeded throughout this land. Church is where we create an alternative imagination, where we posit a future different and better, better than the one that we are currently in. Our religion imagines a future where every child is fed, where all people are safe, free from oppression or despair. Our faith calls us to work for that future. Do not be fooled by those who create a false dichotomy saying church is only for spiritual practice and not involved in social matters because communities of faith know our souls will never be whole by prayer without action, by meditation without practice. Let me remind you that churches have real power in this world. 
There has not been a single successful social movement in the United States that did not use religious people as its organizing base. Every successful social movement has involved churches and synagogues. Think of the role of the church in the civil rights movement or in the sanctuary movement of the 1980s. Churches were critical in temperance, abolition, and the women's suffrage movements, and in the current Black Lives Matter and Poor People's Campaign. Where is the voice of our faith needed to center injustice and oppression? What does our Unitarian Universalist faith ask us to do and be in these times? How will we respond? Our mission at North Lake Universalist, Unitarian Universalist Church reads this way, to celebrate life by worshiping together serving others, and nurturing a diverse, loving community. We need each of you here to make this mission possible. This year, as you consider your pledge to this congregation, I ask you to consider how you can move out of the culture that makes us feel like that we give, that what we give and what we do is not enough, and begin to see that you have value and your work can shape the world. Take ownership of your work and your finances and use them to give your voice value. What gift can you give that will be meaningful to you, that will give you strength and clarity in the months ahead? What gift would be exciting and nourishing to your spirit? And what is the spirit asking you to give of your resources? What percentage of your resources does love ask you to share? This is how we should give. We should give with a gladness in our hearts and a sense of being part of creating the future that we talk and dream of. We are moving toward that land of enough. Right now it's enough that you are here wondering about the current landscape that we have become familiar with. But we can move into lusher lands with abundant living. We will travel together we have one another, and we will look out for each other as we journey forward. Come travel with me. Blessed be.